Hello and welcome to The Assistant Toolkit, the podcast for virtual, personal and executive assistants around the world. I'm your host, Amy Gould, ex-London EA and ex-teacher, and since 2016, I've been a virtual assistant and coach. This is episode six, a virtual assistant's guide to setting rates. So hello and a very big welcome to this week's episode. This is episode six and we're going to be having a look at how you can set your own rates and essentially make money in your business. So we're continuing the topic of money. Last week's episode, if you haven't listened to it, is on my website. Um, Episode five was improving your money mindset and why that's so important if you want to make more money in your business and in your life in general. So continuing on the topic of money, Um, I wanted to dive straight into the content today because um, if you've listened to my other podcast, you'll know that I like to keep them quite short and sweet, around 20 minutes long, um, because I know from personal experience, sometimes if I see an episode or podcast is about an hour long, it it really does take a bit more planning for me to listen to. So if I try and keep it to around 20 minutes, I know that that's something I could listen to on the way back from the the school run. So hopefully that will work for you too. So, um, right, so we're gonna dive straight in today then to um, how you can set your rates and essentially make money in your business. So everything I'm gonna talk about today is applicable to anyone across the world. I know that some VAs have very different business models. Some VAs find their clients and their uh, the majority of their client work through um, sites such as Upwork or Freelancer and sites like that. They might have been on there for a long time, they built up a great profile, and essentially that's how they make the the bulk of their money. Some VAs work for um, teams, they might work for an online business manager who delegates work to them, and uh, the majority of VAs that I know work for um, clients on a one-to-one basis. And they might subcontract some work out to other VAs, but generally the work is done on a one-to-one basis. So, the, the conversation that we'll be having today is generally for those VAs that work for uh, clients on a one-to-one basis or want to work for more clients on a one-to-one basis. So there are a few different ways that you can set your own rates. Now, of course, when it comes to, um, when it comes to setting your rates, this is such a personal thing. So someone who, um, you might have someone who on paper looks like they have the exact same skill set as another VA, but they might charge wildly different rates. They might have wildly different figures on their website or in in a proposal that they present to a client. And there's a number of reasons for that. The first thing is perhaps um, one VA might undercharge. Perhaps the other VA has um, a higher skill set or they know that they, um, they can deliver something of value. But the, the predominant reason is the, the difference is confidence um, and knowing what you're worth, I suppose, that we, sorry, what your time and experience is worth, uh, not you as a person. So that's um, the main difference there is confidence. And that's why I spoke about how you can improve your money mindset last week, because confidence plays an enormous factor in um, how and how much you can charge. So um, if you haven't read the book that I mentioned last week, uh, Jen Sincero's How to Be a Badass at Making Money, I'd highly recommend it. It's definitely worth you investing the time in developing your money mindset because ultimately you'll be able to charge what your skills and experience are worth. Okay, so on a practical basis, um, when it comes to working out what you want to charge, the first thing you need to do is to think about, is to write down your... um, your outgoings essentially. So how much money do you need to pay uh, to, to earn to cover your bills, your mortgage, your rent, 
um, you, you know, how much you need to pay for your office utilities, your um, equipment, your subscriptions, um, your phone bill, anything like that. You need to write everything down. And I think this is a really useful exercise anyway, because it does help you to see everything that you need to pay out, lay down on paper. Please don't forget to include um, any pension payments that you sh um, should be making or could be making. Um, I read an article fairly recently um, that UK-based self-employed women, um, I think only about 30% of um, self-employed women are paying what they should be into their pension. And I say should be like the minimum that they advise that you should be paying into. So definitely think about that. And of course, include um, taxes. If you're in the UK as well, national insurance, perhaps your student loan repayments. All of these things need to factor into essentially your, the, your minimum viable rate that you could charge. Not that that's what you should charge. So think about all those things first of all, write it all down and then come to the figure that is your minimum essentially. And then um, you can work out what your hourly rate will be based on that. So if you need to pay, I'm gonna just be pulling figures out here just for illustrative, illustrative purposes. So say for example, all your outgoings need to, um, they come to 1200 pounds a month. Um, if you, um, you you, you know, if I'm just again going to pull out a figure, if your hourly rate was £30 an hour, you'd need to work for 40 hours a month to cover your outgoings. Um, but then, of course, you want to be profitable, so you'd want to uh, work more hours or charge a higher hourly rate. So that's the first thing you need to do is to work out what your, your minimum viable rate would be. Um, and then um, on top of that minimum viable, viable hourly rate, you need to think about making it profitable. So um, say, for example let's just say, you need to earn at least £10 an hour to cover all of your minimum outgoings. You then need to make sure that you're making that time profitable for you. So it might take it up to 30 or 40 or whatever pounds an hour as your minimum hourly rate. And hourly rates is a very common way for virtual assistants to charge for their services. So um, when I first started out, I knew nothing about the virtual assistant business, the online business, everything like that. I didn't know anything about it. So I, um, I, started working for clients on essentially a pay-as-you-go basis. Um, so I would uh, work, didn't have a minimum agreed set of hours I'd work, I would carry on, carry out the work for the month and then invoice the client in arrears um, and send along my timesheet. And then they would pay me like a week later or whatever the agreement was. So that's how I started out. But then over time I realized, first of all, I had no way of planning ahead. I didn't know whether I was gonna have a certain amount of money consistently every month or whether that was going to go up or down and also for quite a month it meant that actually I was out of pocket because I was working less time which is nice to work less hours of course but it definitely hits your paper your your pocket and at Christmas for example it just meant that half of December is shut down basically isn't it across uh, across um, the UK anyway um, so that January was a super hard month for me every time so that was uh, definitely the first thing that I realized when I was paying when I was charging clients for an hourly ad hoc pay-as-you-go basis, basically. Uh, even though my hourly rate was pretty good, um, it was just unknown, it was unplanned, and it just didn't help me at all. So then I started um, charging clients, setting like a minimum hours contract. So for example, I would um, sign up a new client and I would say, um, we, uh, I will work for you in a minimum hour, a minimum basis of 10 or 20 hours a month. If you don't use that number of hours, then um, they don't roll over. You just need to pay for that regardless because that's the time that I'm putting aside to be able to work for you. So that's another way that you could, you could um, set your rates. And then after a, after a time, I realized there are pros and cons of doing both. The pros, I think, for 
charging an hourly rate or doing a minimum hours um, basis is that it's a more familiar business model for lots of business owners. Certainly I would say in the UK anyway. I know it does vary, but um, that was that was the initial pro, I, I would say. It also, I think, helped me because I was in a real kind of corporate mindset and I just always thought about um, how much my time would be worth. So for me, I've always equated my time, you know, my nine to five job, my the one that I had, you know, five days a week, um, at an investment bank in London was my last job and I always knew that my time there was my salary essentially and that's how much I was getting paid and that's how much you know I literally was exchanging my time for money even if I did you know if I worked one day and I hardly did anything I'd get the same amount of money as the next day if I had a super busy day. Um, now the negative side of this is that you are exchanging your time for money. So it means that you're only ever going to get paid um, for the hours that you can work. So if you, um, there are only 24 hours in a day, I certainly hope you're not working for 24 hours a day. You're definitely not going to be, I would say. Um, even if you work for like 16 hours a day, you're, you're capped at that amount of money. You would only get 16 times your hourly rate for that day. You're never going to be able to earn more than that. You're always going to have to be online for that time doing the work for your client. The other thing is that over time, you will, when you first start working for a client, it takes a while to kind of pick up the, the flow of things. You might be adjusting to your client's working style and, and vice versa, uh, a new skill set, a new set of clients you're working for. Over time, you'll become quicker at the tasks that you do, especially if they're really simple tasks or if they're things that become second nature to you. You'll become faster. It's what happens, you know, when we become skilled at something, we, we, we carry out those things faster. So actually, you'll be doing more work in less time because of your own skill set and because of how well you've picked up those tasks. So essentially, you're going to be working less time, but doing more, but still getting paid the same or less. So that's, um, that's hourly rates in a nutshell. Now, there's no right or wrong way of doing this. I know that some people are very, very passionate about one way of charging. I've been through all of these I'm going to talk about today, all of these different models, and it's, I know what, which way I prefer to charge. I know that mine, for example, is a kind of bespoke proposal package now, that is, but, which I'll talk about in a second. But it's, this is why I spoke about money mindset last week, is that you really have to get your head around charging in a different way and also really, really valuing your time and your skills and being really confident with it. So that's why I highly recommend that you do your work on your money mindset before you start thinking about potentially changing your business model because your charging model, because you really want to feel absolutely confident and own the fact that you can set your rates and feel confident with it because you should absolutely um, feel confident in increasing your rates or charging in a different way. If that's what you want to do, absolutely, definitely go for it. Do the, the mindset work first and you'll be absolutely flying. So that's hourly rates. Now this, the other way of charging, um, these are quite similar, but I'll just run through them anyway. So one way is charging on a project basis. So um, you might start working for a client on the understanding that you um, have an agreed project rate. Say, for example, they need to have their all of their social media profiles set up um, with, uh, say, 30 social media posts scheduled on each one, some content written, some blah, 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 some email marketing, um, some emails um, automated on their email marketing system, whatever it could be you might start working for someone on that pure project basis. So essentially your client or your potential client would pay you for the end result, so the end result of that project, um, 
not the amount of time it takes you to do that. So um, I really like this model because I think it shows that it is all about the results. And I think that's super, super important. And that's something you need to bear in mind when it comes to thinking about charging by a project retainer or a bespoke package is you always need to focus on the results that you're going to provide your clients. So um, yes, yeah, so basically if you're charging on a project basis, you're saying I will do X, Y, Z for you. Um, you'd have an agreed due date, I imagine, um, but you'll say you'll be doing this. You might have a contingency in there, say perhaps um, if there are lots of uh, moving parts and you're some of your workers reliant on other people, you might have a contingency on there for project overrun, then they might need to pay you extra if forces outside of your control, you know, mean that it's gonna take longer for you to do, because you obviously don't wanna be out of pocket. But um, the project basis shows that you can charge something um, that you're really good at, uh, and if it takes you a fraction of the time that it's gonna take your client, that doesn't matter at all. They're paying for the end result, and that's all they care about, and that's why, if you are thinking about charging on a project basis, always show and highlight the result, the end product, because it's, that's essentially what the clients care about. So um, we've covered hourly rate and a project basis. The next two, um, the first is a retainer package, and the next one is a kind of bespoke proposal package. So a retainer package is, um, sometimes I find it a bit hard to define. Essentially your, your client would be paying um, to retain you as their assistant. So um, this one is a bit, um, sometimes a bit tricky to kind of explain and also to nail down a price or a fee um, because it really varies um, and it's hard to put a figure on something when you've never worked for someone before. But say client X um, wants you to be on a retainer for them, they want you to you know, to know that they can contact you, um, you know, maybe it equates to around an hour a day, perhaps. Um, some weeks might not be anything, some weeks might be really busy, um, but they want to know that you will be there um, if they need you, not 24 seven, of course, but they, you know, you're there within 24 working out, uh, 24 uh, business hours or something like that. Um, on the next working day, um, and that's based on a, you know, you kind of, re they're retaining your services for a set fee. Um, that model works well um, personally for, I think for um, kind of personal assistant type duties or EA kind of things. Um, it's similar to minimum hours, I suppose. Um, it just depends. Again, I think it does depend on how you phrase it, um, but that's another way of um, charging your fees. The final way is creating a bespoke proposal, um, and a bespoke fee purely based on your client's needs. So this is great because it's completely tailored to what your client would need. So they wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be a generic thing. Um, it will be really, really tailored based on a conversation that you'd have with them and that you followed up with them and sent them a, pr a proposal afterwards based on what the, the kind of support that they need. Um, it can, you can have something in your contract or in the proposal that says um, the, the figure will be reviewed after I don't know, three months and see if it's, you know, working both sides. Um, this is a, I think this is a great way of working um, for a number of reasons. First of all, it means that, again, you're going to be setting your, your, um, your rate, regardless of how long it takes you to, um, to complete tasks. And I think that it shows that you're, um, again, you're not kind of shooting yourself in the foot, you are able to set a fee. And even if it takes you a fraction of the time that it would um, someone else, that's, because you are highly skilled and you practice at it, um, which I think is a great way of, um, of really building your business. The other thing is that you are 
you're super specific in your proposal and again focusing on the results for your client and if you actually think about um, examples in your life where perhaps you've asked for um, perhaps you've asked a gardener for example to give you a, or a landscape gardener to give you a quote for transforming your garden or um, perhaps you've hired or you're thinking about hiring a decorator at home or a home designer and they want you know you want to you want to basically completely transform something and but you want it to be personal to you because of course you don't just want like a cookie cutter garden you want to have something really nice or you want to have your bedroom completely transformed you want someone to do it for you so um when you are doing a bespoke proposal um kind of business model you will have a conversation with a prospective client you will talk about what they need ideally you would have got some information from them before on like a kind of a call intake form um, you will um, really nail down the kind of support that they need and there are various ways of doing it and they're really effective ways of running a sales call and afterwards you would follow up with an email with a, um, a, a, a proposal attached um, with uh, talking about the support they need, um, relaying back to them the kind of things that they need help with and the results that you will bring them with a, um, with a fee. Now the reason I think this works so well is that we all want to know that someone has heard us and we all want to know that someone has really understood us and our business model for example or our business and we want to know that someone is going to be doing exactly what we need them to do and that they are how really going to be focusing on that and not providing us with things that we don't need. So that's why I think bespoke proposal models are such a great way of um, packaging up your services for clients because it can be so personal and I think that the personal touch especially when it comes to hiring an assistant is just super important. So they're the, um, the four ways of, of charging. The last thing I want to talk about is um, how you are able to charge more or increase your rates or essentially just charge more in general. Now as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, confidence is so so vital when it comes to thinking about money and also how you're going about setting your rates. Someone who is more confident with their money mindset and knows what their time and skills and expertise are worth and you're, you're confident that the right client will come along for you and you know that there is plenty of money out there for you, you're not scrambling for the clients because you know that you know that the money is coming to you and you know that there are plenty of clients and opportunities out there, those people are generally, in my experience, going to be able to charge more and secure clients with more ease than those who are super nervous and um, around money, around money conversations and also about their own self-worth. So um, I think that you're able to charge more when your confidence is higher. Also when you uh, your results are proven, so if you have testimonials and referrals um, and also you have case studies and things like that on your website or your social media or as part of your sales call process as well, that I think is super important because people want to see that you have gone someone has gone before them and you have got results for that person they want to know that you are a results person that's super important and that's definitely how you can charge more when you have kind of um, evidence-based results you can also charge more when perhaps the skill or the software the tool that you're specializing in or the project for example you know like the social media transformation or the email marketing setup whatever it is dubsado setup when that is um, packaged really well um, and the results are proven and shown, um, you can often charge more for that and you can charge on a project basis for that and actually whiz through things when the result is still the same and really high, high uh, value for the client, but you know it's taking you less and less time because you're getting more skilled and more practice each time. 
Um, and you can also charge more when perhaps not everyone does this service, performs this service or works this particular niche area, or if you're very, very niche and you're working for a very, very specific group of people, um, say for example, um, coaches who work with, uh, you're working for coaches who work with new mothers who want to transform the first year after their baby was born or something like that. When you're really, really focused and you, your target market is so, so tight and it's really, really clear to them that you are the VA for them, that's how you're able to charge more too. Uh, also, show, you know, related to that, another way of being able to charge more is when you're known as the expert in your field. So when you're known as the go-to VA for um, coaches who work with mothers in their first year of having their baby. Um, and finally, this is a bit of a, a, a wild card I think, is um, sometimes you're able to charge more based on the title that you give yourself. So I think a few years ago, the term virtual assistant wasn't really that known. It's become so well known now. There are so many more VAs in the online space, which is fantastic um, because there are so many more businesses um, as well. So there's definitely more clients for everyone, which is great. Um, but it also means that often we don't really stand out as much because if everyone's a virtual assistant, you really need to define yourself. That's why I think it's so important to um, have a niche or really specialize or be known for something. You can also um, change your title to reflect that too. So um, you can call yourself a virtual assistant, um, you could, also, um, you could also position yourself as an online business manager, and they are two very different things. Uh, an online business manager is much more focused on managing someone's business as a whole. Um, so you definitely don't call yourself an online business manager if you don't have that skill set. Um, but you could also call yourself perhaps um, the uh, operations manager um, for coaches who work with mothers in their first year of giving birth, blah, blah, um, you could really specialise your title. And I think that when you are, it's really linked to um, essentially your niche. When you're able to change your title to be something really specific, um, I think in some ways you're able to charge more when that's all packaged up as well. So that brings me to the end of this episode. Um, I think I've covered everything I wanted to all about setting your rates. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, Improving Your Money Mindset, please do, because I think it's a really good precursor to the stuff that I've been talking about today. There's so much wrapped around money and how we feel about money, how we talk about money, how comfortable we are charging money and increasing our rates. And I think that if you're a virtual assistant and you're running your own business, you really, really need to take ownership of your relationship with money because ultimately that is going to steer the success that you see with yourself, with your business. Um, if you don't feel comfortable around money, if you find the whole thing really cringy and you just charge whatever and you just don't want to think about it too much or you aren't confident in charging what your skills are worth, um, then there are a few things that are going to happen. You're not going to make enough money in your business. You're going to resent the work that you do because you know you're not being paid enough. You perhaps won't be able to continue being in business because you're not profitable enough. Um, and also perhaps you'll be attracting the wrong clients because you're charging less. So clients think less of you um, and perhaps they're not great clients to work with. Whereas if you're charging what you're worth, you will find the clients that want to work with you and pay you what you're worth, but you really, really have to work on your confidence and working on your money mindset is totally connected with your confidence and wrapped up in that. So please, please do spend some time uh, working on that. That's um, episode five on my podcast. You can listen to that on my website. 
Um, so I hope you found today's um, podcast episode helpful. I'd love to hear what you think as always. Um, you can drop me an email at hello at amyroseschool.com. You can find me on Instagram too. Um, and um, you can also um, read um, a few different books that I suggested about money mindset at the end of this episode too on my website. That's um, amyroseschool.com forward slash podcast forward slash episode dash six. Um, okay, everyone, have a great week and I will see you next week.